Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Andrade is all elite. I'm Jaden Becker, and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. Last night's episode of Friday Night SmackDown and All Elite Wrestling were fantastic. A lot of emotional anguish in both episodes, but before we get into those, let's check out our news. Ring of Honor star hit by a car earlier this week. Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion Tracy Williams was hit by a car earlier this week. Williams took to Twitter and announced that he was walking his dog on Thursday when a man ran a red light going less than 25 miles per hour, striking him as he crossed the street. Williams was apparently in a hospital at one point with a neck brace on. Based on the selfies he tweeted out later on, uh, it is now noted that he is at home recovering. Get well soon, Tracy Williams. It's always tough to see that. WWE Garner's lowest audience in show history. Uh, This week's Raw got an average of 1.4 million viewers over the three hours. Not only that, but the third hour did 1.168 million viewers. AEW has beat that number a couple times, and I rarely ever talk about ratings on uh, the Daily DDT podcast because... Ratings, you know, you can find those anywhere. I really don't like to spend most time on it. You know, there's a lot of trackers out there when it comes down to ratings. But when you get record low numbers in something, especially when if it's an episode of the, of the flagship show of your brand, which is the WWE, if you get record low numbers, I really have to mention it. As I said, w, uh, AEW has beat that number a couple times, 1.1 million viewers. And now it was a very odd drop-off where it was 1.5 in the first and second hours and then just dropped to 1.1 in the third. Could it have been something on TV that made people change the channel? Did people really not want to see the match between McIntyre and Kofi Kingston? Was it Sheamus losing two matches in a row? I really I really can't tell you what it was. But uh, crazy to see that Raw you know, getting record low audiences, but almost deservingly so, given the show hasn't been living up to par of where it was in the past or just living up to par on where professional wrestling is right now, just on its own brand because SmackDown and NXT uh, both blow WWE Monday Night Raw out of the water, and same thing with AEW blows Raw out the water. Almost every show blows Raw out the out the water. The only thing that Raw I think beats is Impact, but so Impact's been coming pretty close given the introduction with Kenny Omega and the AEW Championship and the and Impact Championship, I should say. Uh, moving on to more happy news compared to the last two we just heard. Hangman Adam Page announces that he's going to be a father, AEW star. Hangman Adam Page is taking to social media to announce that he and his wife, Amanda Waltz, are expecting a child. And An Instagram post of the sonogram paired with the caption read, quote, Hey, we got a baby on the way. We're excited, terrified, but mostly overjoyed. Thank you. Congratulations from all of us here at the Daily DDT Podcast to Hangman Adam Page and Amanda. All right, we're going to get into last night's WWE Friday Night SmackDown, the June 4th edition, uh, obviously with the breaking news of Andrade appearing on All Elite Wrestling and, and becoming now All Elite. Uh, I would love to put this first, but how I've been doing it, at least last week, how I did it was I had SmackDown first and I had AEW go second, just based strictly off of time. You know, you watch SmackDown first because it was on from 8 to 10, and then AEW second from 10 to 
11. It's 10 to 12, excuse me. 10 to 11 is going to be Rampage, which is also going to be very fun for AEW to have. But look, let's finish with AEW talk. We'll continue that a little later after the break. But let's talk about some SmackDown now. Of course, you have Roman Reigns opening the show. Reigns has changed his mind about how he feels about the Usos going for gold. Jimmy Uso still refuses to acknowledge Roman Reigns as the tribal chief. Reigns says to get the job done and bring the titles to him when the match is over. Uh, The story keeps on getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Jimmy Uso still resenting the idea of Roman Reigns being a leader over him. He doesn't like that. Jay Uso has accepted it after being um, having to be beaten out of him at last year's Hell in a Cell. So I'm, I really think we're leading towards Jimmy Uso versus Roman Reigns at Hell in a Cell. Leading to Roman Reigns beating the respect into Jimmy Uso going forward. And then everyone be all one happily but begrudging family going forward which i think would be nice to see but still a lot of episode left for this smackdown and a lot more unfolds with jimmy uso and roman reigns and the whole uso family at that and roman reigns so the next after that opening segment it wasn't the main event it was the opening match dominic and Rey mysterio taking on the usos for the smackdown tag team championships obviously dominic and Rey mysterio the champions coming into this one great tag team wrestling early on the usos in control Rey Mysterio's baseball slide to the outside reversed into a Samoan drop onto the announce table. The ring is cut in half on Rey. Dominic Mysterio enters in a huge dive to the outside onto both Usos. Chaos ensues. Jimmy Uso goes for the frog splash. And Dominic Mysterio rolls up Jimmy Uso for the win after getting his knees up on that frog splash. Jimmy Uso kicked out of the roll-up, but the referee missed it. And uh, it was an obvious, and it wasn't a, a, a botch, if you will, but it was, it was involved in the story of Jimmy Uso kicking out, but the referee missing that kick-out moment. Great storytelling because, yes, they technically lost the match because of the referee, but um, they, they didn't really lose it because of the kick-out there. And uh, we could see, I, I wrote in my notes here, we could see a possible match at Hell in a Cell, but we see as the show goes on, things to, tend to change. Reigns backstage is obviously mad that they lost to a child, he says. He lost, they lost to a child. A pretty funny moment there, but automatically shifting from one moment to another. This could possibly be the most impactful moment of this whole Re- Roman Reigns, Uso family, Paul Heyman storyline is when Roman Reigns calls Jay Uso Jimmy Uso on purpose and uh, to, to make him obviously feel some type of way and uh, that the whole segment rolls out where Jay Uso's like uh, I'm not I'm not Jimmy I'm Jay and Roman Reigns is like oh some sometimes it's tough to tell the difference or something along those lines and it, obviously that being the whole premise of the story Jay Uso finally becoming a, a, his own man the main event Jay Uso finally becoming his own person and then now his brother returning back into the fold falling back into what his brother wants to do now it's tough to tell the difference between one another not from a literal sense from from from, from a metaphorical sense in the eyes of Roman Reigns absolutely fantastic fantastic it, it almost makes you kind of emotional to think about in that way it's like damn you really got me there roman reigns great pulling at the heartstrings because all everything that we went through with jay uso and just for for you roman reigns to not turn your back on him but realize how quickly things can change in the world of professional wrestling 
especially when uh, something like this happens where the, the brother gets back into the fold. Great, great, great storytelling from, from beginning to end there. Uh, later on in the night, they will actually have a rematch against Dominic and Rey Mysterio for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships as the shoulder was up from Jimmy Uso and that was reinstated by Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville. Moving on to our next segment, Seth Rollins in an interview segment. Drip check for Seth Rollins, uh, and his, his tax write-off must be absolutely wild for the amount of money that he spends on suits and things like that. Obviously not coming out of pocket if you think about it, because you know the, the, these are tax write-offable things because they are for work, and work being his WWE career. So uh, I, I just wonder how many suits this guy have to have at this point, because they, these are all brand new. As well, it's not like he had these in his closet and just waiting for them to come out. You know, no, no. These are all definitely new per week. Rollins takes off his microphone and leaves his interview with Kayla Braxton as she asks too many questions about Cesaro. Moving on to the next match of the night, Carmella versus Liv Morgan. Morgan throws Carmella into the barricade early on. Glad to see Liv Morgan on TV after Ruby Riot was let go this week. Uh, Morgan is impressive in this match until she is until she is caught in the code of silence. Uh, kind of a nothing match for both of them, to be honest with you. Carmella does get the win, but Morgan did look good. She she did look good. I'm not going to deny that. You know, she, she still looks fluid in the ring. She's able to bounce around, does everything she needs to do. She takes good bumps. Uh, you know, she's able to do all of it. But uh, I really just hope for her sake that there's some type of trajectory in her career here with the WWE. Because right now, both Carmella and Liv Morgan kind of stand in no man's land at the moment. Moving on, Bianca Belair challenges Bailey. Belair has been held down her whole life, she says, by people like Bailey. She has never been laughed at in her face like that, however, which she finds extremely disrespectful, which it is, as a fair point, someone laughed directly at your face. Belair challenges Bailey to a match at Hell in a Cell instead of appearing uh, in person to uh, accept the challenge against Bianca Belair. Bailey appears via satellite. In her own shrine of herself, all the pictures of her run as SmackDown Women's Champion and Tag Team Champion with Sasha Banks in recent history, Thunderdome history, uh, all appearing on the wall behind her. She laughs as her face appears on all the Thunderdome screams around Bianca Belair. A very odd segment to see um, all those faces all around uh, in every single Thunderdome spot. Uh, a little bit odd, but at the same time, I thought it was really, really, really nice to see uh, that special type of effect there. They got to make the most of the Thunderdome because they're leaving it soon. So I figured that they got their money's worth there with that spot, and they've done it in a couple other places as well. But I thought that was very, very nice. It was odd, very fun, but uh, I'm also very, very excited for Hell in a Cell to see those two have a match again. Uh, we saw that WrestleMania backlash, and now in Hell in a Cell, we know Bailey takes great bumps at Hell in a Cell. We saw it last year against Sasha Banks, so I think she'll be able to have a, a fun one here. Moving on to our next segment here, Shinsuke Nakamura versus King Corbin in a one-on-one -on -one match. Uh, a lot of back and forth between Nakamura and Corbin, given the crown of King Corbin being stolen by Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke Nakamura, by the way, is the babyface in this situation. Pat McAfee is absolutely hilarious as Rick Boogs is still awesome, shredding on the guitar for Shinsuke Nakamura's entrance. Pat McAfee standing on top of the announce table, waving his hands in the air as Michael Cole has his head buried in his hand as uh, his broadcast partner is making a fool of himself, but in a great way. Corbin gives a stiff clothesline to Boogs on the outside throughout the match. 
Corbin rolls up Nakamura and takes the win and his crown back. Boogs takes Corbin down to the mat uh, outside the ring, getting the crown back for Shinsuke Nakamura. And obviously the babyface doing very babyface things, stealing items from other people like King Corbin. Once again, as I mentioned previously, talking about Sheamus and uh, the whole Ricochet situation. Yeah, people, babyface loves stealing items from other people, you know, bullying other people. While, meanwhile, that's not the babyface thing to do. You would think that the babyface would not be the one stealing items from other people, but the heel would. But obviously things are a little topsy-turvy right now in the WWE. And when are they not? You know, when, when are they not? But uh, it is fun. I, I love Rick Boogs. I think he's great. I think Pat McAfee sells him very, very well because no one else can. And the th- there's no Thunderdome. There's no Peep fans there to sell, sell it. So Pat McAfee being the fan that all of us want to be in this situation, stand up on top of our chairs and wave our arms in the air. You know, that, that, that's exactly what we want to do at a wrestling event, Pat McAfee actually doing it as pretty much being the only fan there in attendance while also being the color commentator with Michael Cole. So he's been doing a fantastic job. I give him all the credit in the world, Pat McAfee. And he proves a night in and night out with SmackDown that he's able to be among the best in the world of professional wrestling at the moment at color commentators. Getting back to the whole idea with Nakamura and, and King Corbin, I, I love the Nakamura King of Strong style, but instead of him stealing the crown, can he actually, you know, win the crown possibly? You know, that he actually earn the crown instead of having to steal it back because now he just looks like a chump. You know, he looks he looks like the heel in the situation. King Corbin won the match straight up. No no funny business there. We, he was the victor. He takes his crown back. That is deservedly his crown. And then he gets it stolen away from him again. So obviously Nakamura and Rick Boogs doing heel things, but we're supposed to cheer for 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 them to for I guess because uh, King Corbin is the 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 heel here. Obviously he's been the heel for a long time. So very odd and very confusing sometimes in the world of WWE. But sometimes you have to roll with these punches, and we got to take matches like these to get to matches like the one next. Kevin Owens versus Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental Championship. Great match that these two had. Uh, Before the match even started, Kevin Owens attacked prior to the match backstage by Commander Aziz, who was banned from ringside in this match. So Commander Aziz still making his impact known. Even if he was banned from ringside, he still was able to attack Kevin Owens previous. Crews in control early on. Uh, Kevin Owens fights back, but his core that was attacked by Commander Aziz doesn't allow him to even run the ropes. That's how difficult it was for Kevin Owens throughout this match. Suplex onto the outside by Apollo Crews. A senton from Owens is reversed with a knees up. Death Valley Driver onto the apron from Apollo Crews to retain the Intercontinental title. Great match in the SmackDown mid-card, holding its own lately, at least in this sense. I should say, maybe not the whole mid-card, but the Intercontinental championship title picture that that's been holding their own with Kevin Owens and Apollo Crews and Sami Zayn and Biggie and people of the like you know they've they've all been holding their own and putting on great matches that fatal four-way match is really the epitome of it that we saw on Smackdown a few weeks back and uh, I wish we could see Aleister Black involved with that which he definitely could have been but now released from the company 
which is a shame, but uh, they're still holding their own on SmackDown, still doing a good job. Speaking of Sami Zayn, he enters and attacks Kevin Owens after the match with a halluva kick that connects, finally, finally connects. We haven't seen a halluva kick from Sami, Sami Zayn connect in a while, maybe probably since that Fatal 4-Way match, but usually when he goes for it, he gets hung up on the ropes there anyway. But it connects here, continuing their story between uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn that's been running since uh, WrestleMania. Even prior to that, it's been running for, for well, it's obviously been running for forever since NXT and even previous to that in Canada and all the runs. I'm talking about the most current run between the two. <laughs> don't, don't get it twisted. The most current run has been running a little bit previous since, since WrestleMania. That was a whole Logan Paul situation, yada, yada. All right, moving on to our main event of Friday Night SmackDown. The Usos taking on Dominic and Rey Mysterio for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. If you heard me talk about this before in the beginning of the episode, yes, this is a rematch for the main event for the titles. Let's run it back. Charles Robinson is now the referee. Jay Uso with a dive to the outside onto Dominic. Rey Mysterio enters and successfully executes the baseball slide to the outside the move that got him caught up previously and slammed into the announce table as things start to go in the way of dominic and Rey mysterio as ray connects with a 619 roman reigns enters and attacks dominic to cause a disqualification reigns is obviously very angry at the usos who are about to lose the matchup because of the 619 being connected roman reigns lays out dominic and ray mysterio with the steel steps and chokes out dominic that poor kid you know the, the even even roman reigns said it before you lost to a kid and now here's roman reigns stooping down even to a lower level the lowest of levels attacking a kid choking him out in the middle of the ring. So many levels to this. Uh, Jimmy Uso was telling Roman Reigns, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. And Roman Reigns still lacking in that submission. A really, really tough tough sight, if you will. But uh, I, I, there's so many levels to this story. To, to run through them in a, in a brief sense, you have Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, that, 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 has, that hasn't lost a match since his return to uh, the WWE. I believe he might have lost one match by disqualification, but he hasn't been pinned or submitted or anything like that. Obviously, the Universal Champion sitting atop of his throne, and not as just in SmackDown, but as the WWE as, as a whole. He has his family with him. Jimmy, Jimmy Uso, obviously very resentful towards Roman Reigns in every way, shape, and form. He doesn't want to be talked down to, like how Jey Uso has become and how he's been talked down to. And Jey Uso obviously doesn't, in his heart of hearts doesn't want to be there either but he knows how much his career has grown ever since aligning himself with Roman Reigns and once again now in this heel sense and how he's become the main event Jey Uso with main evented multiple episodes of Smackdown and pay-per-views and things of that nature has found himself the winner of the Andre the Giant Battle Royal his career has launched off in so many ways shapes and forms since aligning himself with Roman Reigns and he continues to realize that, but he's conflicted as well because he still wants to be with his brother, with Jimmy Uso as well. So there's so 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 many levels to this. It's 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 great. It's great. And as Paul Heyman sort of the, the puppet master behind it all in some way, shape, or form as well. It's really really nice to see how this whole show has has come about and revolved around Roman Reigns and the, this Uso debacle. And it's great to see. It really really is great to see. 
for a final grade. I'm going to save that after my thoughts on last night's Friday Night Dynamite was a fantastic episode with the appearance and debut and I guess the announcement that Andrade is all elite. For my complete thoughts on that, stick around here right after the break. Stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on June 5th, 2006, WWE announced that they've acquired the WCCW and Stampede Wrestling Libraries. This made the world's largest wrestling video library even larger, giving WWE an estimated 100,000 hours of content. There was a funny story that appeared after the fact, after WWE acquired Stampede Wrestling footage. Uh, it turned out that Bret Hart owns the video rights to his matches in Stampede, leading to WWE to pull all Stampede Wrestling video from WWE Network just days after it was uploaded to the streaming service in December of 2015. So, very, very odd. Uh, to see that uh, come into effect so many years later, uh, to think that nine years later after they acquired everything, uh, it turns out that Bret Hart doesn't even have a part in it. So it went under the rug for 11 years. Bret Hart didn't say anything, but now out of nowhere, boom, Stampede Wrestling. <laughs> he has the he has the coverage for it. Also, on some more uh, wrestling footage news that also came on this day, the huge day for wrestling footage, if you will. On June 5th, 2007, Digital Music Group, a company specializing in distributing independently owned music, announces via press release that they have acquired 100 hours of wrestling footage to be released under the name Wrestling Titans. The footage included wrestling from the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, featuring matches uh, with Gorgeous George, Classy Freddie Blassie, uh, Andre the Giant, Lex Luger, Junkyard Dog, and Ric Flair. Uh, none of the footage required from DMG has ever, ever been released. So, uh, very odd to see as well uh, from um, on this day in pro wrestling. That two big footage news both come on this day in pro wrestling as well. All right, speaking of big news, AEW Dynamite decided to put some big news in this episode of Friday Night Dynamite, which uh, once again rolls off the tongue a lot better than Wednesday Night Dynamite. You know, Friday Night Dynamite just rolls, just rolls. Wednesday Night, too many syllables there, too many syllables. But either way, not going to be a, a lot of Friday Night Dynamites in uh, after the NBA playoffs. They're going to move to Saturday for, for one episode of Dynamite, and that's going to be the episode that uh, Jungle Boy takes on Kenny Omega for the AEW Championship. So... Uh, a lot to come for Dynamite, but let's start off with the episode that we saw last night with Pac and Penta Acero Mero taking on the Young Bucks to open the show. The Elite Hunter Frankie Kazarian attacks Nakazawa before the match. Great to see Frankie Kazarian keeping up the gimmick night in and night out, whether it is at Double or Nothing or whether it's on Dynamite or wherever it may be. You can see Frankie Kazarian taking out a member of the Elite. Prior to the match, huge dives to the outside by Pac and Penta. The Young Bucks just playing with Pac early on as the match get un gets underway. Uh, Don Callis on commentary accidentally calls AEW Impact, which is funny to see because you don't really want that comparison there. Even though technically they are obviously working with each other as Kenny Omega is the champion of both com companies, uh, AEW believes they're on a higher level. And I think also a lot of other people believe that they're on a higher level than Impact Wrestling. Nick Jackson rips off the mask of Penta, but a second mask is underneath. A package pile driver and pack pins, but Matt Jackson breaks up the uh, pinfall attempt. A cheap pin by the Young Bucks to win. The Young Bucks continue to attack Death Triangle inside the ring until Eddie Kingston enters to save. The Young Bucks heel work, although different from MJF's uh, in the world of professional wrestling today. 
is one of the best in, in AEW at the moment. The Young Bucks just working that heel gimmick to no comparison because uh, obviously MJF is the best heel in AEW at the moment. But I guess the Young Bucks are, are, are I wouldn't say rivaling, but they're coming close in a way where they're calling back to the world of professional wrestling's past, whether it's been with the WWE, whether it's been with New Japan, whether it's been with uh, multiple other organizations and brands. Uh, the Young Bucks love to call back and, and mock, in a way, what used to be. So uh, the Young Bucks doing great, great, great work, the Young Bucks. And it's, it's sort of tough to boo them sometimes, but you sort of you sort of have to, in a way, as well, given after their entrance and everything that they do, all the pomp and circumstance, uh, the headgear that they wear and everything like that. You, they sort of, they're forcing you, forcing you to boo them. But I, I'm still getting big Freebirds vibes from, from the Young Bucks. I really, really do. I get a ton of Freebirds free vibes, if you will. Moving on, then this was the biggest segment of the night. Uh, Mark Henry on AEW Dynamite. Uh, he says that he's here not to fix AEW, but turn the screws on AEW. AEW obviously not needing any fixing in any way, shape, or form. I have no reason why Mark Henry would ever say that. But he said he's here to turn the screws. What screws are you turning? You're working on commentary. So it's not like you're here backstage, you know, working the, the gimmicks and the matches and everything like that. Just work commentary. You'll be fine, Mark Henry. Uh, and he even said, uh, after he asked the question from Tony Schiavone at Ring, he's not going to say yes to an ink in-ring uh, return, but they said that he has a lot left in the gas tank. So, anyway, it's possible we see Mark Henry in the ring again. Uh, do I really want to see that? I don't know. I, I, I really had no huge interest in it. Yeah, maybe for one match, but it's not like I want to see him go win the TNT Championship. I have no interest in that. You know, I have no much like I have no interest in seeing Christian Cage make his return and go for the AEW Championship. I really have no interest. You know, the, these are all the guys that, yes, they, they've been legends in the, the industry and in pro wrestling, and they've done fantastic things, but I don't need them stepping on what AEW has already had to offer. You know, the, I, I love all these young guys. I love Jungle Boy. I love Darby Allen. I love Miro. You know, these are all some of the top guys in that mid-card rank. Why are we going to have more heads come and, and poo-poo on that? So, no, no need at all for Mark Henry to get back into the ring unless he's facing someone like Christian Cage, unless he's facing someone like The Big Show because now they're not taking away from anybody else. They're just going against each other, which would be a fun match to see. So I would have no problem with that, but I have no interest in seeing Mark Henry go in a match against Miro. To me, that, that there's no, no reason for that. Vicky Guerrero enters. And uh, the huge uh, excuse me gimmick and all that. I love it, love it, love it. I uh, even called the family over into the room and said, hey, look, it's Vicky Guerrero. We haven't seen her on TV in quite some time. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you used to watch watch her when you were a kid. And I'm like, yep, that, that's exactly who it is. <laughs> that's Vicky Guerrero. But obviously the whole Vicky Guerrero being there, which she's been on AEW for quite some time working with the Nyla Rose and everything like that. Obviously, that wasn't the huge part of it. She announces Andrade's debut to AEW. I have holy blank, holy blank, holy blank in my notes. Andrade now a part of All Elite Wrestling. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Or CCCCC, I should say. Uh, so happy to see Andrade on, on the stage of AEW. Uh, it, it took him some time, of course, and he is going to have a match against Kenny Omega obviously two AEW stars now, but not for AEW. They're going to have a match. Uh, those two for AAA. Uh, those two, they're going to have a match. So for the, I believe for the AAA uh, mega championship. 
And I'm I'm excited to see that match. I'm excited to see what Andrade is going to do with All Elite Wrestling. I think that he has a real opportunity here in a year's time to win the TNT Championship. I think he has a real opportunity to go after the AEW Championship if he so pleases, given the feud that he's going to have with Kenny Omega that I hope that they incorporate into AEW television. Uh, I would not say for them to have a match prior to their match at a, at a AAA, of course. You know, you don't want to steal someone's booking in that way, shape, or form. But all I'm saying is Andrade has a real opportunity to finally show off what he can do in all elite wrestling. We all know that the, sometimes there comes a time where WWE just isn't working out for you anymore. The creative isn't there. The, the You're not getting the push that you would like. I feel like you're way more in control of your own destiny at All Elite Wrestling, especially if they bring you in in such big of a way. You know, it's going to be great to see. It's going to be great to see. Now, obviously, we also had the conversation as well that that AEW is just a place for mid-carders from WWE to go. You know, we could talk about that all you want. You could say from time and time again that, that you know, how many mid-carders is AEW going to pick up? from WWE and all that jazz. Listen, I just think at the end of the day, I'm happy to see Andrade to be a part of AEW. I know people were waiting for him to finally have his big moment in the sun after his huge NXT run. He didn't really get that with the main roster. Yes, he got a couple United States Championships runs, but I'd rather have him see him even go for bigger, better things because his talent is 100% there. It's, It's definitely there. WWE favored Angel Garza. For when when they were together, they thought that Angel Garza was going to be the next Eddie Guerrero. Angel Garza definitely has a talent there as well, but not getting any push or any recognition of WWE. Andrade has all the recognition in the world right now with AEW. So I expect him to do big things, but the bar is set high for him. You know, I expect him to make some big pushes here, and I'm hoping for his sake that it all works out. And I think it will. The AEW usually treats the the wrestlers that they bring in like that very 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 well. So. I can see big things coming from Andrade. I see really big things in the near future. Let's hope, let's hope and pray. Let's hope and pray that it all works out for his sake. But those are my thoughts on Andrade here. It's a lot of it's just hope. A lot of it's just hope. Like I'm really hoping for his sake after everything he's gone through and now being released from WWE, finally making it to AEW. I hope for his sake this all works out. And I, But I think it will. If I had a bet on it, I think it will. All right, moving on to our next match. Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson taking on Anthony Agogo and QT Marshall. Agogo and Marshall dominating over Johnson early on. Rhodes enters on a hot tag, and Rhodes locks in the figure four on Anthony Agogo. But, uh, no, he locks in on QT Marshall. I apologize. And Agogo goes ahead and breaks it up. Just apologize as I shuffle through my, my notes here in my giant notebook. Aaron Solo enters to distract the referee. Crossroads stop. Right in the nick of time by the right hand of, of course, the one and only Anthony Agogo. QT Marshall and Agogo pick up the sneaky win after Cody Rhodes is knocked out from the right hand of Agogo. Marshall taking his own victory lap after pinning Cody Rhodes in this one. Might be a little too late for uh, Cody Rhodes to put someone over <laughs> in this way. It would have rather seen it at double or nothing and not Friday Night Dynamite. But either way, I guess uh, I still think it's too little too late for Cody Rhodes. Probably hearing all the backlash like, eh, Cody Rhodes doesn't really put anybody over. Meanwhile, he put over arguably the best heel in professional wrestling today, MGF, in the beginning of his run. Obviously, Brody Lee, he put over in a huge squash match, matches that we don't really see in 
uh, AEW that often, and Darby Allen all these times. So plenty of moments where we've seen it. Obviously, he has to win matches like these. I think he has to beat a go go in these types of matches, in a way, especially on Memorial Day weekend. If you're doing something like that type of gimmick, you're not going to have the, the, the foreigner win on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, you, to legitimize yourself once again and bring yourself up to the top once again once you're going against someone that you really do need to put over. So let's say it's uh, you wouldn't do it with Andrade, but I guess you, you really couldn't. You make Andrade look really, really strong with him going against Cody Rhodes. Speaking of victory laps... Inner Circle have a victory lap of their own after their victory at Stadium Stampede. Free Stadium Stampede t-shirts for everyone in attendance. At least I assume it was everyone in attendance. At least it was everyone in that first bowl there because they were holding up uh, Stadium Stampede victory t-shirts for the Inner Circle. Guevara with another heartfelt uh, but weak promo. I feel like Guevara just really struggles on the mic for me. He doesn't really do much for me at all. Santana still wants to smoke with the pinnacle. Hager wants Wardlow in an MMA cage fight. Jericho wants MJF once again, and these inner circle promos are kind of getting a little stale for me, where everyone goes down the line and speaks their, their mind there. They, they did nothing really substantial from any of them. Maybe Hager, he, he spoke some substantial stuff, given that he physically said what match he wanted it, when he wanted it, in two weeks' time, and everything like that. And Guevara, yeah, he talked about all oh, when, when he was a kid. He used to do the 630 splash off of his mom's roof. And it, it, he, yes, he started it great, but he never tied it together. He never molded it all into one promo. So he started it well, but it sort of got lost in, in, in the cycle. And Jericho's been cutting the same promo for the past, like, three, four weeks now. You know, like, he, he said, like, oh, the, he always ends it strong. He always ends it powerful. But he's ended it powerful in the same type of way for the past, like, three weeks. With ending, leaving off with a strong line for people to remember. Or to ha put in a vignette later on down the line. Or in, in a hype package later on down the line. Yeah, it's fun, but they're kind of getting stale for me because we're kind of seeing it over and over and over again. Just being honest, just being honest. I know everyone loves the Inner Circle and people have been hyping them up for so, so long. And I think they're great too. I love Jericho. I think he's one of the greatest of all times. You know, he's going to go down in history for his tenure and uh, everything he's brought to the wrestling business and his, his creative mind also as well. Yeah, he's always able to stay yeah, on the cutting edge of, of trends and things like that and things that work in the world of professional wrestling he's able to, to stay on top there but i feel like right now it's kind of getting a little bit stale kind of just a little bit that that was one of the main reasons why i was hoping the pinnacle would win at uh, the stadium stampede so we can break up the inner circle and they could still have the same feuds that they're having now you could have ftr take on santana ortiz although not a part of the inner circle you could have chris jericho take on mjf although not part of the inner circle you can have these feuds that are individual feuds and launch them back into their own individual careers and while still quasi being a part of the inner circle feud that you grew in the past you know i i think that might have been the best way to go i still feel that way but the Inner Circle might have one more pay-per-view left in them. Anything further than that, I think it's going to be way too, way too overdone for me if they have anything longer. But uh, I think they have one more left. I think they have one more left. But we're going to have to see a rubber match, right? You know, between the Inner Circle and Stadium Stampede and uh, and the Pinnacle. After Stadium Stampede, given that Blood and Guts was won by the Pinnacle and Stadium Stampede was won by the Inner Circle. So, you know, they're one-on-one apiece. I wonder how they're going to be able to do it given that they use the two of the largest gimmick matches in AEW history in Blood and Guts and Stadium Stampede. Uh, I wonder how they're going to be able to to move on in the future with another gimmick match or if they go Survivor Series style 
and find out who who wins out of a best of well, I guess you have four four feuds four yeah, right you have you have Hager and Wardlow you have MJF and Jericho you have Spears and Guevara and you have the two tag teams in FTR and Santana and Ortiz so I feel like that would be uh four matches there so you, and I guess what you get Tully Blanchard go up against somebody you know that'd be funny all right, moving on to our next match of the night. Jungle Boy and Christian Cage taking on Private Party. I just noticed when I got to this point in the episode for uh, Dynamite that they went back to the old hard cam that they used to use for normal AEW shows where it's facing uh, towards the stage instead of facing towards the Daily's Place sign or that halfway, you know, where Moxie walks out from from the, the seats area. So they changed it back to normal, which it's good. It's a good thing because I felt like the other one was always a, a little bit off in some way, shape, or form. It was always a little bit like, it, it felt askew, it felt ill-symmetrical. It didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. But either way, Jungle Boy off to a hot start. Cage able to match that energy of uh, Jungle Boy. Private Party mocked the five-second pose, which was made famous by Christian Edge back in the WWE. Thumb to the eye of Jungle Boy. Almost costs him the match. A snare trap gives the victory to Cage and Jungle Boy in this one. And uh, my poor paper, my, paper, my poor uh, tag team rule getting demolished there, saying that, you know, established tag teams should defeat uh, teams that are mashed up together. You know, that doesn't make any sense. Even though both are... Uh, Christian and Jungle Boy are established tag team wrestlers, not with one another. Private Party is Private Party. They're the actual team there. So, obviously a shame in seeing that, but the tag team division is so strong in AEW that I feel like this doesn't hurt them as much as for this to happen in WWE, where all the tag team divisions are so weak that for this to happen, it's almost a death blow. It's almost a death shot. But it's been so, so strong. AEW one of the strongest tag team divisions in the world of professional wrestling today. For this to happen once in a blue moon, which it does, it happens... I've even seen them go in the opposite direction where they do it correctly, and uh, it, it makes the tag team division look even stronger. So it's just a balancing out here. Matt Hardy connects with a twist of fate to Christian Cage after the match. A lot of history there between Matt Hardy and Christian Cage. Uh, I, I laugh because you kind of forget about it, how often that they, they met in the WWF and the WWE. You know, and how honestly both of them are kind of in, in the same story where uh, it's funny how both Matt and Christian were always 1B compared to Jeff and Edge uh, back in, in the WWE days. You know, everybody remembers Jeff Hardy. Everybody remembers Edge. And yes, Matt Hardy's huge with the, in the world of professional wrestling today too, especially after everything he did with TNA. Same thing with Christian Cage. He's huge in the world of professional wrestling after everything he did with TNA as well. Both very similar stories between the two. Now both in AEW and also with both Jeff and Edge in the WWE. So <laughs> they're, they're living mirrored lives at the moment. Very mirrored lives. But uh, I think we, we can swallow it and realize how great Matt Hardy and Christian Cage are at the moment. But Matt Hardy doing the correct thing and trying to build up young stars like Private Party and The Butcher and the Blade and, and Bunny has, as he was just previously doing. Uh, with the Matt Hardy family and everything like that. Christian Cage was sort of working for himself here. Which, it's fine. It's just... And once again, it would have been, I would have been very, very upset if Christian Cage won that Battle Royale and Jungle Boy lost. It, it, Jungle... You think about it. You're supposed to be building guys up in the world of professional wrestling, especially for one of the older guys to keep the industry going. And Christian Cage needs to be able to do that. And I think he's doing it here with um, with uh, Jungle Boy. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case. Moving on to our next segment, Sting and Darby Allen 
uh, they have an interview segment with Tony Schiavone. Not really interview segment. It's more like Tony Schiavone introduces them and then Sting takes the microphone. You still got a chance for Sting. Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page on screen saying Sting carried Darby Allen throughout the match and has carried Darby Allen throughout his entire AEW career. Sky and Page want Allen to pick someone else other than Sting for a tag team match. Opportunity for someone else to shine with Allen and Sting. Very, very awesome. Great to see. And uh, hopefully uh, that someone else is, is able to shine with Sting because uh, that could work out really well. Maybe Alistair Black, future down the line, because he, he would match up in that pairing as well with Darby Allen and uh, all that. But um, obviously right now, I uh, can't do that given the 90-day no-compete. Moving on to another celebration moment after Double or Nothing. Britt Baker has a celebration of her own. The belt looks absolutely awesome on her here. Uh, she tricks the crowd thinking that there's a burger coupons underneath her their seats, much like how Jericho had t-shirts underneath the seats. The burger coupons not being there. And she just cuts a hell of a promo on why she's one of the greatest in, in AEW at the moment and how she's changing an era in women's wrestling for AEW and how DMD is the new 316. I remember she talked about that uh, previous to Double or Nothing, but sort of still resonates with me to this day. Uh, Britt Baker doing some fantastic work. Uh, she gives uh, burgers to herself, uh, Tony Schiavone, and Rebel. Nyla Rose knocks the burgers out of Baker's hands and leaves in disgust. Looks like the first feud is going to be with Nyla Rose. Uh, getting back into the championship title picture after being out of it for quite some time after uh, Sheeta defeated her. and she, Nyla Rose was just out of the title picture for, for forever and ever. But now getting back into it, fun to see, but this is Britt Baker's era. I could see her holding this belt longer than Sheeta, to be honest with you. The Bunny versus Red Velvet. In our next match, Bunny tries to uh, jump the bell but fails uh, as she uh, screams out Red Velvet's name as she's running at her. Not very sneaky move of, of the Bunny. Uh, Velvet with a dive to the outside. She does connect with the Bunny but absolutely eats it on the outside as she scorpions herself. Uh, with her, you know, with a uh, her scorpion tail, where, where your heels touch the back of your head, pretty much, that looked like it hurt real bad. Ouch! I have in my notes. Ouch! Real. That looked like it hurt. Red Velvet picks up the win with uh, a strong strike, and uh, uh, I wouldn't say it was a nothing match, but I think it was a good way to get a women's match involved in this um, this show. And it wasn't at 9:20, I believe it ended. Actually, the match might have started around 9:20. So, <laughs> it's usually how it goes for for uh, for AEW. Actually, it wasn't 9.20. It would have been 11.20, given that it's, it's a 10 to 12 show. I have to remember these things. Dustin Rhodes versus Nick Comorado in a bull rope match. Uh, they say Dustin Rhodes is 13-1 in bull rope matches. And uh, for this to be the main event, I was very excited for it. Given you don't see Dustin Rhodes competing in matches that often in AEW Dynamite. We've seen in Dark and Elevation, but not really Dynamite. And Comorado as well. So good to see this, especially in the main event. Rhodes crotches Comorado with the rope early on, not af uh, afraid to use the, the bull rope uh, and, uh, and the bell early on in the match. That was really used to, to their, both of them to their full advantage. Action falls outside into the crowd, or the wrestler crowd, I should say, no longer the fans ringside like how it was for Double or Nothing. Uh, Aaron Solo ringside power slams by Rhodes. Comorado bleeding like a stuffed pig from the bell. Uh, nice to see Comorado bleed there, uh, but wasn't as impactful against that a little bit later. Comorado puts Rhodes through a table, and Colton Gunn attacks Aaron Solo uh, throughout this match as well. Colton Gunn, a part of the Nightmare family. Comorado kicks out at one from the final reckoning. 
Uh, Rhodes loves kicking Comorado in the balls in this matchup. We've seen that a couple times. Rhodes really attacking the balls of uh, of Nick Comorado. Bulldog from the top rope to beat Comorado. And uh, to be honest with you, Comorado wasn't really impressive in this match. Yes, he did have some good moments, but usually, as we've seen in the past, uh, you see someone bleed and they have a great match. Like we saw MJF and Blood and Guts. I know I'm talking about Blood and Guts, but he was the real standout from that match, standing on top of that cage, dripping blood. He looked like an absolute superstar, superstar after that match. Another great example, uh, Britt Baker after her match with Thunder Rosa, even though she even lost that match. She lost that match and still, in my eyes, came out on top uh, in, a, in, a, in the way of the crowd and everything like that. She Even in, in defeat, she was the victor, uh, how she was remembered. She got her own T-shirt after that and everything uh, everything else. Comorado, I was hoping for the same for him, that how he would have a match here with Dustin Rhodes. Even if he loses in this bull rope match, he would come out on top in the victor in some way, shape, or form. Because Comorado would have, like as I mentioned, he he bled and he would have looked great. Could have stand tall a couple moments, and yes, he he looked like an absolute madman. But I, I feel like I really didn't get the the vibe here from Comorado as I did get from NGF and Britt Baker. I know I'm talking about two of the top stars in the company, and maybe that's a reason why is that they are top stars in the company and the way that they are able to portray themselves, and the reason why they are set from from the rest. You know, there's a reason why NGF is the best heel in the company. There's a reason why Britt Baker is one of the best uh, and and the current AEW Women's Champion. You know. I, Comorado doesn't stand on that level because he's not able to execute like those two. So he had his opportunity. He had a moment where he could have, but I feel like he didn't execute there as well as he, he could have. All right, comparing the Friday Night Wars here. I know people hate calling it that or whatever, but I'm, I'm going to call it that for a little bit. Give me, give me some competition once again, for or at least for this month of June while, while uh, AEW is on Friday nights. AEW takes this one for me. I'm going to give them... Uh, uh, huh, that's gonna, I, I think these shows were, were pretty close in grading-wise, but and it, it might even be a tie grading-wise. I'd probably give uh, both shows somewhere between a B and a B minus. And I guess I would give... I would give this episode of AEW a B and then uh, SmackDown a B minus, given that they didn't have Andrade debut on their episode of SmackDown. Andrade made his debut for AEW. That's an automatic win in my book when you have something that big in nature happen. Uh, I'll give AEW the win there. And I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not afraid to say that. Both shows are competing at, and at such a high level. Both shows are having fantastic booking. And, and it's really awesome to be a wrestling fan, especially watching those two shows. If only Raw was standing up to that standard we could really be having a fun time almost every night of the week but no we, we can't monday nights always feel like homework but friday nights is an absolute blast i have no problem watching four hours of wrestling friday nights because it's actually good good stuff three hours of wrestling on monday nights makes you want to turn off the tv as quick as humanly possible and bring that reading down to 1.1 million so that's all for me you can catch this podcast on all your writers at dailyddt.com and if you want to hear more from me give me a follow on twitter and instagram at jaden becker tv i'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the daily ddt podcast